My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Shannon Hardy and Bridget Graham. While abortion has been decriminalized in Canada since 1988, That does not mean that accessing abortion services is necessarily an easy or smooth process for everyone who needs them. For some of the cisgender women, trans men, and other gender-diverse people who do so, it can be difficult to find information about how abortion services work and where and how to access them. In some parts of the country, there are few or even no providers of abortion services, so some people have to travel long distances. The expense and logistical challenges involved, in some instances in combination with out-of-pocket fees for the services, can be a barrier for low-income people and people marginalized in other ways. And abortion still carries significant stigma, which can make it harder for people to access the kinds of formal and informal supports that they might otherwise draw on to overcome barriers. Back in 2012, Shannon Hardy was a birth doula, that is, someone who provides guidance and support during labor, and she was working as the education coordinator at an education-oriented sex shop and bookstore in Halifax. She got an email about a rally related to abortion. Specifically, the rally was because there was not a single provider of abortion services in all of Prince Edward Island. Hardy had no idea that there was a Canadian province or territory that just did not offer this basic element of healthcare, and it made her mad. And that very day, she started rallying friends, comrades, and colleagues to start doing something about it. The original mission was to support people from PEI in getting to abortion appointments in Halifax through offering rides and helping with accommodations. And from there, it all just sort of grew. They got more and more requests for support from an ever-broadening range of people and developed a growing network of volunteers to meet those requests. They started doing some fundraising. Hardy developed a training that she's given in many different places to those who want to support people having abortions. Uh, And attending a training was how Bridget Graham, who's also a doula, first got involved. For a while, the scope of the network was just the Maritimes, but they developed a presence in Newfoundland and Labrador in 2017 and took on the name Abortion Support Services Atlantic. From being a response to one specific need, the organization ended up becoming, as its Facebook page says, quote, a 100% volunteer-run pro-reproductive rights group providing support for anyone having an abortion in the Atlantic provinces, end quote. For a number of years, Hardy did the bulk of the work guiding and coordinating the group, but about two years ago, they put together a board of directors with members from across Atlantic Canada. Currently, Hardy is the group's coordinator, and Graham is its director of volunteers. The kinds of support they offer have remained quite similar. Often people who contact them are looking for information related to abortion services, so the group's work can be as simple as providing it. It's also not unusual for them to get messages from people far beyond Atlantic Canada, and over the years they've developed a network of contacts that can offer information and support relevant to places around the world. Much of what they do, however, continues to involve rides, accommodations, and other forms of practical support for people accessing abortion services in Atlantic Canada. Though it's a bit less direct, Graham and Hardy say that resisting stigma is also an important element of the organization's work. The word abortion is prominently present in the group's name, 
and in its communications and in the activities of its lead activists, they're very upfront about what the group is about. They believe that even just using the word unapologetically and broadcasting far and wide that they offer matter-of-fact, compassionate support helps some people push back against the insidious power of stigma and shame. Hardy says, quote, Just the fact that we exist, I think, is a form of harm reduction, end quote. I speak with Hardy and Graham about the barriers to accessing abortion services in Atlantic Canada and about the grassroots response that is Abortion Support Services Atlantic. I'm Shannon Hardy. I'm the founder and coordinator of Abortion Support Services Atlantic. I'm a registered social worker in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I was raised mainly by women. My aunties and my mom would sit around the table drinking copious amounts of tea, solving the world's problems. Much of my family is Indigenous. I'm not, but my extended family is. And so I was raised with, you know, the idea of community care and helping out each other just was very ingrained in me from a young age. My family are pretty hardcore socialists, and we just believe in helping people when you can help people. Abortion Support Services Atlantic has volunteers across all four Atlantic provinces that can help people access abortion care, whether that means they need a ride to their appointment, or they need information about how to access care, they need funding perhaps, or information. We can provide all of that for them. And I'm Bridget Graham. I'm a doula, and I'm based in Halifax as well, and I'm the Director of Volunteers for Abortion Support Services Atlantic. I grew up in a really small community in Ontario. Agriculture was the driving factor in the community, and my parents always really encouraged me to volunteer a lot and to give back to the community since they had really supported me at a young age. So in high school, and I would say in the first few years that I moved to Halifax and university, a lot of the community work that I was doing was in the environmental sector, especially in regards to getting youth interested and passionate about the environment. But when I was writing my master's, I just felt like my activism wasn't really making a difference. It was just too hard. It was too big for me to see the impact that I was having. And I decided to become a doula. I did my training. I started in 2017, and that's when I met Shannon and took the training for ASA. And I really just started to see that if I was living in Nova Scotia, this was something that I could do to make an impact in the community. Give listeners a bit of an overview of how abortion care works in Atlantic Canada. And I know it's different in each province, so don't worry about all the details. Just give us a sense. So, to distill it down, in Nova Scotia, all abortions are performed at hospital, generally in Halifax, to access support. Here, you don't actually have to go through your doctor. We have a self-referral line, which has made a huge impact on people's ability to be able to access. So anyone in Nova Scotia can call the self-referral line. They'll speak to a nurse who will help them set up uh, ultrasound and blood work and make their appointment for them. And that's what they need to do to get the ball rolling. Generally in We'll say in Newfoundland, Labrador, there's one clinic. Abortions generally happen at that one clinic in St. John, the Athena Clinic. And then New Brunswick and PEI, again, have different options. What are the origins of Abortion Support Services Atlantic? I had been a birth doula for about six years before this started. I was 
really involved in the doula community and the birthing community. I was co-founder of the Nova Scotia Doula Association, so invested in both the community, but also building of that. And I was working at Venus Envy, which is a sex shop and bookstore here in Halifax as the education coordinator. So a lot of things would pass over my desk. And then one day in 2012, I got this email that something about PEI, they were having an abortion rally because there was no abortions on the island and they were trying to get that changed. And I didn't know that. You know, I had lived in Halifax for a few years from then, but I'm originally from Vancouver and I had no idea that we had a province or territory that just did not offer abortion. And it just blew my mind. I was, I was angry and I didn't, I, I didn't know how that was okay. So literally that day, I started a Facebook page and called up all of my doula friends, all of my queer friends, all of my radical friends. And the groups often overlap and just said, we're doing something. We will pick people up on the island and we will drive them back to Halifax to get their appointments. We're doing something. This just is not okay. And that's how it started. What was involved in figuring out the logistics of going from that initial call out to figuring out how practically it was going to work? I wish I had a better answer than <laughs> we just did it. Literally, we just did it. I think if there had been thought involved, we might have got scared and realized what we were doing was ridiculous. But we just connected with the reproductive rights group in PEI and said, we want to offer this. And because I had co-founded the Nova Scotia Doula Association, I was known in the doula community. I worked at Venus NB, and so I was a well-known educator. I wasn't just a completely random person. I did have a background. So I reached out to people, and they would just message us. And either I would go or I would call up somebody and say, do you have time to drive to the bridge? Because that's generally what we do drive to Confederation Bridge, somebody from the PEI Reproductive Rights Organization would drive the person to meet us at the bridge, and then we would drive into Halifax. And we just sort of learned what worked and what didn't. You know, at the beginning, we offered lodging at people's houses, and that didn't work. So we ended up fundraising for money for hotel rooms. Yeah. So there really weren't tons of conversations. It was just, this needs to be done. And so we're doing it today. And the only reason I laugh is because that's how I know of the origin story of this. And I can't imagine it any other way. Like Shannon and this group of people just decided we want to help people. We need to help people. This is what we're going to do. And it's been so powerful. And I say that we're more organized now a little bit, but it's still like if a request comes in, we just kind of mobilize and we make it happen. How did that process of growth happen for the organization? Going from just responding to that one need experienced by people from PEI to covering all of the Atlantic provinces? When we first started, we were maritime abortion support services, and we exclusively just helped people from PEI to come into Halifax. The group of volunteers was smaller. We didn't really do any fundraising. Like It was just really small. And then as people started knowing who we were and that we weren't sketchy or anything like that, we started building a relationship with our termination of pregnancy unit at the hospital. So they knew who we were and who our volunteers were. All of that started happening. We started getting more requests and 
I was doing everything. I was coordinating volunteers. I was doing media requests. You know, it was just, it was a lot. And I was resistant to having people come in to help because I had a very clear vision of what I wanted things to be. And I didn't want to give up my creation. But two years ago, this January, so 2018, I just couldn't do it by myself anymore. And that's when I reached out for board members. And thank goodness, I am surrounded by really awesome people who just take the load off. It's been amazing. And in 2017, I did a training in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. And that's when we changed the name to Atlantic Abortion Support Services. And we have a trained volunteer in Labrador. Shannon is the chair and we have Megan, a co-chair. And then we have representatives from different regions. So the folks on the board, we have somebody from New Brunswick, a couple of folks from Newfoundland and Labrador, and then folks from Nova Scotia as well. It's really great that we are so spread out and that we can help so many people in so many different parts of the country. As co-founder of the Nova Scotia Doula Association, something that happened very quickly is it became the Halifax Doula Association. And that always bothered me and was something that I wish I could rectify. So when I called myself Maritime Abortion Support, and then we changed to Abortion Support Services Atlantic, I wanted to honor that. If we say we have Atlantic in our name, we're going to have representatives in every Atlantic province because we can't distill services to just one area or one urban area. There needs to be people across the provinces that can help. So that was really important to me. How did you originally connect with the project, Bridget? So I took the training that Shannon offers, the abortion doula training in the summer of 2017, and just decided that this was something I wanted to do. I wanted to help in any way possible. There was a call out for board members, and I applied to coordinate volunteering, so to mobilize people. And I would say it was something that the first few months, I was incredibly nervous just to say the wrong thing or not to respond quickly enough or just It was a lot of unknowns, but again, Shannon would just walk me through it and we would respond to the requests and we would find people and we would make it happen. And now it's kind of second nature. A request comes in and we have so many people who are willing to help either with their time, driving people or financially, but like, it's just really incredible to see how the organization is growing. And yeah, some days I just wake up and I pick somebody up and drive them to their appointment. And like, I love connecting with people and supporting them, but it's also like such a small action on my part, but it makes such a huge impact. People are always so grateful. I just really love the conversations that we have and being able to just talk to people in the community, people that I know that I do this work and I try and bring it up as much as I can. I'm a doula, but I always start by saying I'm an abortion doula as well as labor and birth and postpartum. But the abortion work, that's what I do the most of and it's what means the most to me. We've already touched on some aspects of this, particularly the absolute lack of services in some areas. But more generally, what would you say are the key barriers that people in Atlantic Canada face in accessing abortion services? One big thing is a lot of folks don't have rides. 
I would say that's the majority of what we help with. Well, first, it's lack of information. It's hard to navigate. Maybe people don't have reliable internet access or telephone access. So first off, it's helping them find the self-referral line and saying that like we can't set up their appointment, but we can put them in contact with people who can help them with that. So that's the first thing. And then I would say a lot of times it's helping people get to and from their appointments. So dropping them off and picking them up. People can't leave the hospital on their own. There has to be someone there to support them, to take them home. So that's what we encounter most frequently is either the person's on their own, they don't have somebody to support them, or maybe they do have someone to support them, but they don't have a car. So that's a huge barrier. And so that's pretty simple for us, right? We get the request, we kind of figure out when their appointment is, and then we'll put a call out to the volunteers and say, hey, we need somebody to be dropped off at their appointment at 7 a.m. Can somebody do that? And can someone pick them up afterwards? That's a huge one. And then I would say if people are coming from different parts of the provinces or from the province, especially for Halifax, it's like, okay, if they're coming in the day before for an appointment that's at 7 a.m., where are they going to stay? Sometimes people know people and they can stay at their house, but if not, they don't. So we can set them up. We have a few spots in the city where we can help make sure that they have somewhere to stay overnight before their appointment. So I would say that those two are big barriers or perhaps somebody has a car, but they just don't have enough money or the person supporting them. They don't have the funds to be able to get to the city. So we also provide like gas money for people. So I would Mm -hmm. say like transportation and then lodging would be two big ones. This doesn't happen as often as RISE, but we also help people navigate Mm -hmm. if they have to leave the Atlantic provinces to have their abortion because, you know, you have gestational limits. So if people need help navigating the funding for that or support in the city that they have to go to, we also do that. So lots of logistics. And I just want to say we also have a really great network of people across the globe. When... Somebody sends us a Facebook message from South Africa, we have somebody we can send you to. If somebody from Kansas sends us a message, we have a doula for you. In the last eight and a half years that we've existed, we have created a really spectacular network of supports across the globe. And it's one of my favorite things that we've done. What's your sense of who's active as volunteers with the group and who's accessing it for support? I'm always super amazed at like there's people from all over people from every background different ages we have like I would say multi-generational sets of volunteers and the people who take the training then go and talk to their friends and family about it right so I know from personal experience my mother-in-law decided she wanted to volunteer she wanted to get involved And she could do that, right? Like we said, okay, fill out our intake form and we'll put you on the list and we will reach out to you. So it's really whoever wants to volunteer, we ask them some questions or pretty open and just happy to have people. So I would say that's been really incredible. And then the people who access our services, it's kind of the same thing. It's people from all over, Mm -hmm. people from all sorts of backgrounds, people who don't have children, people who have had children. Really, it's Anybody who needs it, or maybe it's somebody who's asking for information on behalf of a partner or a friend. Something that I also try and do is I've done a couple of lectures at local universities just talking about what this sort of work looks like and how we support people. And it's been really eye-opening to see people in the lectures share their own experience with access as well. So I always start by putting the number up for the self-referral line and saying, does anybody know what this number is? And asking people, write this down, share this number with your friends and family. And 
I think, at least this has been the feedback I've gotten from people we support, just by being there, having the word abortion in our mm-hmm. title helps people feel less stigmatized, feel like if there's this group out there who is willing to support me, then maybe I can talk to my family or maybe I don't have to feel so much internalized shame about what's going on. Just the fact that we exist, I think, is a form of harm reduction. One challenge that some grassroots mutual aid projects like this one can face is how do you let people know that you exist? What approaches have you taken to doing that? And where do you think more work in that area remains to be done? We're pretty busy. So, yeah. So I don't know that we want to advertise anymore, but I guess it also comes back to having abortion in the title of our group. We have never tried to hide or be sneaky about what we do. Maybe this was that lack of thought process at the very beginning. I was like, nope, abortion is in the title. Because if abortion isn't in the title, then people won't know what we do. And I think, I hope that that's why people find us when they Google us, it's like abortion in Halifax. Our organization is going to pop up. Being very vocal, so on social media, we have a director of communication, Emma Duke. She's up in St. John, and she is a regular poster on Facebook and Twitter. We're very vocal about what we do. We have a great relationship here in Halifax with our termination pregnancy unit. So they've given people our name. And yeah, like Bridget just said, we talk about it all the time. Any chance that I can use the term abortion, like in any bio that I write, it's there. The whole name is there so that people can find us and like on social media. Shannon also leads trainings, not just in Halifax. And because of COVID, those have moved online. So it actually becomes kind of more accessible to people. But then every person who takes the training, then they can mobilize their whole network. But I would say, yeah, we're busy. Like, we've got a lot going on. (laughs) And that's a great thing. Good point about the training. Because I do do trainings across Canada, there is now abortion support collective in Ottawa, in northern Manitoba, in Thompson, in Saskatchewan. There's one in Alberta, but Autumn had that before me. BC is working on creating a new collective. So we sparked something. Like, it's just spectacular that it just caught on. And once you say the and you're like, I'm offering abortion training. That's what I need. The trainings are always full. I have a waitress, Mm -hmm. always. People are hungry for this information and want to say the word out loud. And I'm just giving them that opportunity. And we have connections in the U.S. A few of us traveled last fall to meet with other abortion supporters from across the continent, really. And it was incredible to mobilize and, again, just have these open conversations with people who say the word abortion out loud and do this kind of work and to support each other. So that grew our network even more. It's been really incredible to see this grow across the country. One aspect of the experience of people who provide abortion services or who engage with abortion as a political issue can be facing very aggressive hostility or even threats of violence. Has your group had to deal with anything like that? When I was monitoring social media, not really. And I guess I'm comparing that to our American friends, where they literally don't say their names out loud. It's so different there. For us, It's like just random people sending us, you know, you should die 
emails. <laughs> sounds so glib. Oh my God. <laughs> terrible. But you know that if you give it any credence or oxygen, that they're just going to carry on, right? So we just ignore it. We did have this one guy from PEI who sent us like, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. And so I reached out to my friends in the doula world. And apparently he sends them out kind of biannually to just people with abortion in their titles. So generally we just ignore it. We've been very fortunate, like hearing the experiences of people doing this sort of work elsewhere. It's a privilege to not be scared to say abortion and abortion support services Atlantic. Like I've never been in a room where it's been something that I've been really afraid of here in Halifax. Given what you've learned over the years from the experiences of the people that you support, what kinds of changes do you think are necessary to the services themselves, to policies, to systems when it comes to abortion? I think we need to take away the conscientious objector status Mm -hmm. of doctors. If you become a healthcare provider and you're not willing to offer healthcare, you've chosen the wrong profession. We have doctors and here in Nova Scotia, they don't need to make referrals to surgical abortion anymore. But we have doctors who don't give prescriptions for MIFI. For MIFI, I mean, that would be abortion pills. Because they morally object. That's not okay. And I think that should be stricken. We should not mm-hmm. allow healthcare providers to conscientiously object to offering healthcare. I agree with Shannon. And then I would also say that one barrier is there's a lot of stigma around the term abortion and shame. And if we can get people to not feel like that, that would be great, right? So just saying it, continuing to say it, like have conversations about abortion, talk about abortion. That's a huge thing as well that I hope changes. Like I knew what an abortion was in high school, but it wasn't something that was talked about. And now if I can be that support for a young person that I know or like whoever for a person, that's great. And then hopefully that they'll also talk about it and tell people that we exist and that there are people out there. I come from a pretty conservative part of Ontario and I've had conversations with people saying like, okay, the health unit has like no information about abortions and how can we change that? How can we get that information out to people who may have to travel to other part of the provinces, but let them know that it's there. And offer abortion services in all hospitals. I'm thinking specifically Newfoundland, where Hornerbrook mm-hmm. has one of the most up-to-date medical facilities and, you know, obgyne facilities. If they can deliver babies, they can do abortions. And I don't know, but my guess is they do do abortions for maternal health and fetal anomaly in Cornerbrook. But because of moral objections, they force people to go to St. John's, which is a nine-hour drive on a good day, and go to the clinic. That is just unconscionable. You have been listening to my interview with Shannon Hardy and Bridget Graham of Abortion Support Services Atlantic. To learn more about their work or to find out how to get in touch with them, search for Abortion Support Services Atlantic on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>